This is Church on the Rock, where Jesus is our message and people are our heart. Tune in to hear a teaching that we pray inspires and encourages your life with Christ. Everybody warns you about that conversation, right? Everybody tells me, don't fix it, listen. Even when I got married, I'm like, let me fix you, okay? Right? My wife's like, just listen. That's me. That's me. Hey, my name is Josh Wen, and like Brayden said, I am the director of students and young families here, and I am so excited to be here preaching today. Thank you guys for the privilege. Thank you guys for spending time listening to me. That's, that's amazing. I don't take that lightly. We really, our time is valuable. It's amazing who we give it to, and so I really do feel privileged that you're spending time hanging out with me this morning. So... I'm, like I said, I'm super excited. And we've been in this series called Better Together the last couple of weeks. We're in week three, right? We talked about week one, how when our ideal, when our real doesn't match God's ideal, what do we do? In week two, we talked about roles in the family, right? And today, we're talking about how we're better together when we resolve our conflict. I'm so excited about this subject. This is something that has been big to me Ever since I was 18, okay? I heard a message on conflict resolution when I was 18, and ever since that day, that service, this is something that I've strived for in my personal life, in my ministry life, in my relationship with my wife, any relationship, because it's so dramatically impacted all the relationships I have, okay? And so... I'm really excited about getting this. We need to pray, though. We need to start with a little bit of prayer. I need to relax a little bit, pray off some of that nervousness energy, right? And so let's pray. Father, thank you, God, so much for bringing us here today. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to spend time just getting into your word. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to spend time looking at how we really are better together. Father, like we sang earlier, I pray, Father, that we do tear down some walls today. Father, I pray, God, that some of the things holding us back from having fulfilling, loving, God-centered relationships in our lives, God, we tear those walls down. Father, we just give the rest of the service to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I remember the first time that, uh, actually, this is the second fight. This is the second fight I remember with my wife, okay? And we were engaged at this point, and we were going to premarital counseling. And on the way home from one of our premarital counseling sessions, and guess what it was on? Fighting, right? On the way home from a counseling session on fighting, me and my wife get into a fight about what, this is what we got to fight about, about fighting in the future, okay? So on the way home from a counseling session on fighting, we get into a fight about fighting in the future, Okay, and I will admit at this point that it was my fault because I said something pretty stupid. Okay, before I tell you what I said, I I have to understand that I come from a a house, a little ranch house, no basement, three bedrooms, six people growing up. Okay, how many people know when you're confined and you're tight, sometimes conflict just happens. Okay, in my family, I'm half Polish, half Vietnamese, I'm a very loud person. Okay? And if you know me, you probably know that I'm a pretty loud person. Okay? And so in my family, when I was dealing with conflict with my siblings, okay, how I dealt with conflict growing up was if I can outshout you, 
And if I can get you to tap out, like, that's my cookie, tap, tap, right? Okay, if I could wrestle you into submission or I could yell you down. That was how I kind of dealt with conflict in my life. So I said, Amy, no matter how much I love you, no how matter how easy it is for us to get along, at some point in our lives, we're going to have a yelling match. We're just going to yell at each other, okay? Now, some of you are thinking, yeah, that's okay, maybe. Some of you... If you knew my wife, you'd know how stupid that is for me to say. Because Amy, probably most of you don't even know Amy, because she is the tiniest, most sweet, quiet, like it hurts her heart to kill a fly kind of person. Okay? That's, that's the kind of wife I married. It's like yelling at her would be yelling at, like, at a baby deer or something. I guess it just doesn't make sense. Right? It just doesn't make sense. And so... Regardless, we got into this fight about it, and we're just fighting about the future on our way home from a conflict resolution counseling session. So we pulled into a Home Depot parking lot by Perry Parents' house, and we did the first thing, the first point in my sermon today. Okay? So get your pens out. This is three words that can change your life and your conflict resolution. Write this down on the neck of the person in front of you. Put it on your arm. I don't care. Just put it somewhere. You're going to remember this, okay? This is it. Talk to them. I'm seeing a lot of stares. I'm going to say it again. Talk to them. I'm going to say it one more time. Talk to them, okay? If you have a fight, talk to them. We actually have bonus points, some verses on this. So we're going to go to Matthew 18. And this is specifically dealing with um, believers in a church. But I think we can really pull a lot of amazing points out of this passage in conflict resolution. So this is Matthew 18, verse 15. If another believer sins against you, go privately, point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. That's our first point tonight. Just talk to them. It's so easy. It's three words, right? But the gravity of this is amazing if we start living this out in our conflict resolution. And so for a second, I want you guys to think, before we go any farther, just think, is there somebody in my life I have conflict with? Is there somebody in my life that I haven't talked to in years? Every time I mention their name or somebody else mentions their name, I, my heart starts pounding, I clench my teeth, and I just want to do something that I shouldn't do, right? Like, is there somebody in your life right now that you have conflict? And as we go through this, I want you to keep them in mind. Because I'm talking to you about that person in that conflict resolution situation, okay? So talk to them. But a lot of times we don't do this, even though it's so easy, right? Go and talk to them. But we don't. Instead of talking to them... We spend a lot of time talking to other people, right? And instead of going to the person that we have a problem with, we go and we tell our mom, we go and tell our dad, we go and tell maybe our wife, or maybe people, our co-workers or friends, even people that we don't know, right? It's easier to complain on the bus sometimes than actually going to the person we have a problem with. But it's so easy. It's so easy. And we miss it sometimes. You miss it sometimes. Matthew 6. Matthew 6, verse 5, or chapter 5, verse 23 says, 
For you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple. You suddenly remember that someone has something against you. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. And these two verses really set this up well. Go, if you have an offense, talk to that person privately, not to shame them, not to humiliate them, humiliate them but talk to them privately so you can resolve it. And some of us come to church on a Sunday and we grab these, grab these things that we hear and stuff, but then we put our worship before our conflict resolution. We put reading our Bible or praying or doing devotions with our family. We put sacrifices over resolving resolution. And this changed my life because it changed how I approached relationships. It changed how I approached fights I had with my family, with my friends, and even my superiors. It taught me how to, if I had a problem with a boss, it taught me how if I had a problem with an employer, and Dennis Holmes right here, I worked for him for many years, and if you know Dennis, you know I had many problems with Dennis. Right, Dennis? <laughs> Love you. It taught me how to resolve those in a way without adding to the problem. When we don't go talk to the person that we actually have the issue with, and we go and spread it, and we start gossiping, we start rumors, and we start, we're bending other people's will against that person. We're bending other people's will against that relationship. And you're, instead of trying to heal something, it's just like you keep stepping on it and stepping on it and stepping on it. Instead of trying to put seeds of hope and life in that relationship, instead you're putting anger and bitterness. And you just keep speaking death over it instead of speaking life over that relationship. And so I want to go to um, Second Kings. I'm going to tell you a story about this guy named Naaman. Okay? And even though talk to them is so easy, sometimes we don't want easy. Right? I'm sorry if you came to church today and you were saying, I hope he gives me an impossible problem with immeasurably hard steps to accomplish it, right? But I gave you a very, very easy, just talk to them. And so here we have Naaman, okay? He's this officer um, in the army of Aram, okay? And he was, it says the Bible, the Bible says he was blessed. God gave him a lot of victories. And because of all of his victories... He had a lot of favor with the king, and in his, his, he was just known as an amazing warlord, this amazing leader. But he had leprosy, okay? And so one day, one of his Israelite slaves that he had conquered and taken to his household said to his wife, Man, I really wish that Chief Naaman would go and see this prophet in my hometown. If he just went to see this prophet, that prophet would heal him. And so this gets all the way back to Naaman. And I'm assuming that Naaman probably went through to every healer, every practice, every healing pool, every ointment he could buy to try to get rid of this leprosy. Because he listens to this little slave girl. Okay? And he goes to the king and says, King, this is what I heard and stuff. And I'd really like to go see this prophet. And the king says... Go, man. I love you. I'm going to write you a letter of recommendation to go see this prophet, okay? A letter of introduction. 
So Naaman loads up his mules with 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and he has this letter, this recommendation, this introduction from the king. I'm going to pause really a second. We're going to get to this in a little bit, but sometimes this is us. Sometimes this is us. Sometimes God's just saying, come to me, and then we'll talk. I love you. Come to me. And, some, and we do this instead. We say, I got to impress God. I got to bring, I'm going to empty my storehouses and bring my best. And I got to get a letter and I got to come and impress God. Right? How silly is it that we're going to impress God? Right? He's the creator. He like, he made us. He made the world. How are we going to impress God? But sometimes we try to impress God by his love instead of just receiving it. Okay? So Naaman gets all this stuff. And he goes to the king of the Israelites and says, Hey, here's a letter. Here's some stuff. I'd like to go see the prophet. The king gets really flustered of Israel. He, he, gets, he says, Oh my goodness, you're trying to start a war with my country. You want me to cure your leprosy? But the prophet hears the king's predicament. And he sends a letter and says, Hey, relax, bub. Okay? Just tell him to come to my house and we'll deal with it. So he does. So he sends him. And the prophet... Elisha, Elisha, Elisha. So the prophet Elisha sends a messenger out when Naaman comes to his front doors. And the messenger says, my master says, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. So when Naaman hears this, he gets so mad. He gets so mad. He says, your your river has like three-headed fish, okay? It's disgusting. It's like the Fox River, okay? It's gross, okay? Don't I have back at home crystal clear lakes? Couldn't you just drink straight from the river? It's beautiful. Why would I come and wash myself in your stinking river, okay? We're going to get into this in a little bit later, too. But this is super important. His officers, in verse 13 tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? You should certainly obey him when he says simply go and wash and be cured. In some of our relationships, we're hoping for miracles. In some of the people in our lives that we have conflict with, we're asking God to change their heart, to break down walls, to do something amazing, when really what we need to do is back all the way up and do the simple thing he told us and go and talk to them. Have you tried talking to them yet? Have you gone privately to them with a humble heart and tried to settle the conflict before we jump to the big thing, jump to the thing where we're asking God to do a miracle? And if it wasn't for those advisors, who knows if Naaman would have done it? So Naaman hears wisdom, and he goes to the Jordan River, and he strips off his clothes. He reveals his diseased skin. He takes his sword off and lays it aside, and he washes himself. One, two, three, four, five, six. And on the seventh time, he stands up healed. Okay. My Bible says that his skin was like that of a new child. Perfect without imperfection. And so are we stopping ourselves from doing something that's so easy because we're looking for something hard? We are stopping ourselves from finding resolution in relationships because we want to do something hard. Talk to them. It's that easy. It's, it's that easy. Talk to them. Okay? 
Here's where we mess up, though, sometimes. Here's where we mess up, though, sometimes. The hard part of talking to them is pride. Right? The hard part of going to somebody and talking to them the actual words, the actual conversation, the actual text saying, hey, could I have five minutes of your time? Did I hurt you? Did you, you hurt me? I was offended by what you said. Is that what you meant? That conversation is not very hard. Right? I've had conflict resolution conversations that have taken two minutes. And I went in very hurt, very angry, and came out saying, oh, he wasn't blowing me off. He just had the sun in his eyes. Oh, I'm not hurt. Thanks for clarifying that but thank you right that conversation is not hard but what is hard is letting go and so i brought up today this guy okay this is my daughters this is nora's this is dave we like dave a lot in our house okay dave's a part of our family we never got a dog we got a monkey called dave okay and dave i asked him to come up here today to help me illustrate something. I was watching something on, uh, some YouTube clips on Animal Planet this last week, okay? It was during my break, don't judge me, okay? So I was watching some Animal Planet clips on YouTube, and I stumbled across this old video, old, like it's crackly, and the microphone's not very good, right? Okay? And it's, they're videotaping and talking to this guy, this hunter in African, in the African bush. And they were talking to him about how he catches monkeys, Okay? Um, and so we watch this video of this guy, and he takes and he goes to this huge anthill, and he's, the monkey's watching him, the monkey's sitting there watching him, and he digs out this little hole in this anthill, okay, just big enough to kind of slip your wrist in, okay? And as the monkey's kind of sitting over there watching him, he puts something shiny. He puts some melon seeds or some, like, rock or something into there, and then the hunter just walks away. And he goes and he sits down and just waits. And so the monkey sits there for a while and he walks around and he's like, I don't know, I want to see it so bad. What's over there? So he finally, the monkey gets up some little courage and he goes and he sticks his hand inside that hole in that hand tail that's just big enough for his wrist. And he grabs a huge handful of those rocks or those seeds or glass, whatever it was. He grabs a huge handful, okay? He grabs a huge handful and then he pulls it out. But his fist is too big now to pull it out of the hole. And he goes, Okay. Come on, Dave. You got this, buddy. Okay. So he tries. He goes, I can't. Okay. And he can't pull his hand out. So at this point, the sensible thing would be to what? Let go. Right? Let go. Let go. Let go. Run away. Right? Okay. But he doesn't. Instead of letting go, he just keeps holding on. And he goes, Come on. Help. 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 Mom. Dad. Pull me out of here. Okay. And the hunter comes back, and he slips this rope around his neck, and he ties it off like a leash, and he pulls him away. And sometimes that's us. Sometimes that's us. Sometimes, won't you wish if you had been there, you could have just said, let go, monkey. Like, let go, run away. But he didn't do it. <laughs> and he got caught. For some of us, that's what we're doing. We reach our hands in, we grab our pride, and instead of letting go, we make Satan's job really easy. Instead of letting go and letting God do something in our lives, we make it really easy. 
First Peter 5 eight says, Stay alert. Watch out. The great enemy of the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The hunter's here to kill you. The hunter's here to steal from you. The hunter's here to destroy your relationships. Some of you are really hurting today. Some of you have some relationships that are so broken. But they're not going to get fixed until you let go. There's not going to be healing until you let go of your pride. And that's exactly where Satan wants you. That's exactly where Satan wants you. He wants you holding on. He wants you to say, you are right. That person did hurt you. They should come to you and apologize. It doesn't matter that you haven't talked to them in years. It doesn't matter if you've broken off communication with them. Hold on to your pride. Hold on to it. You make, we make Satan's job so easy to come along, pull a little rope around our neck, and drag us away. We make it so easy. We've talked the last couple weeks on how we're building our house on rock. We're building our house on sand. But in conflict resolution, in a relationship, some of us are not even building houses. We're building a prison, right? And we keep putting brick after brick on this prison. Instead of the freedom that Jesus wants for you, we just keep closing it in. And that's when I was praying about this message. Asking God, saying, what's the thing? What's the thing? Jesus wants freedom for you. God wants freedom for you. He wants you to be living healthy, God-centered, loving relationships. Some of us just have to let go. Let go, monkey. Let go, Dave. Just let go and run away. Don't catch yourself. Don't catch yourself up. Don't catch yourself up in your own agenda. I was reading this book um, called You and Me Forever by Francis Chan and his wife, Lisa Chan. And if you're married, I really suggest this book because it's free. And if anybody knows me, that's like... <laughs> I love a good deal, okay? I told you I went to Costco for my birthday because I could get 20 pounds of food for $2, right? Okay, I love a good deal. And so if you're looking for a book to go through with your wife or just your husband or just even on your own, this is a great book. Download the app, go online, type in You and Me Forever PDF free. They give this resource out for free, okay? So I was reading through the chapter on conflict when I was preparing for this, and he had this amazing sentence that I, I was like, I'm stealing that. I'm, I'm going to share that. And it's this. Are you fighting to be right in your relationship? Are you fighting to be right in that conflict resolution? Or are you fighting to be Christ? Okay? Because that's where the battle is. It's not really against that person. It's not really about if they did me wrong, I did them wrong. And if they're right and I'm right, it's more about are you representing Christ to that person? Because we're Christians, right? We're little followers of Christ. We're little Christ. We're Christ in, in um, uh, not initiators. I can't think of the word. But imitators. I don't know who said that, but four points. Okay? We're not Christ. We are Christ imitators. We are in his likeness. We were made in his image. Jesus said, I, I gave you an example of what it's like. My time here was to show you what the Christian walk looks like. 
follow me. And what did Jesus show us? Right? We had a God that surrendered his Godhood and came down to be a human, that which he created. We had a God that when he came here, instead of asking for homage and praise and power that he deserved, he got on his knees and he washed the feet of his followers. We had a God that had the power to call down the armies of heaven. Instead, he went to the cross. And he took a debt that wasn't his to bear. That's the picture that we have of our God. That's the picture we have of what we're supposed to be intent. Um, I can't get that word. Imitators. Four points for you. That's the kind of picture that we got. Is serving and loving each other. Not because we deserve to be right. Because some of you are right. Some of you have been hurt. Some of you have conflict resolutions where you are right and you got wronged. But if you're fighting to be right, then you're fighting to submit them to your will. You're fighting to get them on, your, on their knees. You're fighting to get them to admit that they're wrong and that you're right. But if you're fighting to be Christ to them, you're on your knees before you go to that conversation, right? You're either there to start speaking love and grace and forgiveness into the relationship instead of trying to pull I was better. I was right in the situation. Apologize. So, we have something that's very simple. You have a conflict. Mom, dad, whatever. Wife, children's with your parents, employers, bosses. And the first step is go talk to them. It's so easy. Just go start a conversation. But what's hard is when we don't let go. We hold on like this little monkey. And we don't let go of that issue of pride. And so surrender that pride. Surrender that pride and take up your mantle. Take up your cross. Take up the cross and be Christ to that person in relationship. It really helped me thinking about how would God react to me if I had wronged him? And then I thought, oh, I have a Bible. And it tells me, right, in my Gospels, how God reacted to me when I was wrong. He came while I was still sinning and he died for me. Some of you guys are doing this, and I'm so proud of you. Some of you guys are doing your best to talk to those people. Some of you guys are doing your best to show Christ to that person. Some of you guys are doing your best to live godly lives, and you're doing everything you can to be obedient to God. But it's not working. It just seems like you keep fighting, and things keep coming up, and things keep happening. And you've gone through these steps, and you're kind of working through that. And so what do we do now? We need to embrace transparency. Okay? Embrace transparency. We have this thing in our culture where, like Naaman, we bring our best. We try to impress people around us. Okay? On social media, through Snapchat or Instagram or Facebook, right, we get tons of selfies. Okay? 
I think I actually heard they added the word selfie to the dictionary, okay? Uh, this is a new thing, selfies, right? Taking a picture of yourself through whatever and posting it. And we see these amazing selfies of people with their hair just, like, blowing in the wind. Or maybe if you have, like, a little bit of a receding hairline baldness, your head's tilted so you can't see that receding hairline or baldness, right? And the sun's reflecting off the pearly white teeth, and you can't see the double chin because you're holding it like this or like this, right? So we have that we're culture where we are trying to impress with our best, okay? But what you don't see in that person's camera roll is the 20 or 30 pictures they took before that one they posted, right? Or the 20 or 30 minutes they took to edit that photo, okay? I actually did this last night. I got to be honest with you. I was scrolling through something, and they had this... Um, they had this app where they, on the promo, the marketing ad, you like click the guy's head and then they had a, a bunch of different hairstyles and you click it and you just added the hair. And I was like, oh, I wonder what that was like. I don't remember very well. And I downloaded it and I was like, whoa, that is not good. This, there's no help for me. This app doesn't even work. I just, I'm going to have to shave my head. It's fine. Anyway, where are we going? Best impressed? Yeah, that's right. We try to bring our best to God, and we try to bring our best to church, and we try to bring our best to our relationships. And people say, hey, how are you doing? I say, I'm great, when really you're not great. Really, you're in a really bad fight with your wife, and you're fighting on the way to church, and you're yelling at your kids. Listen, Nora's not really at the point where I can yell at her, but sometimes she really makes me want to yell. Like, Nora, really, really, really? You're going to poop your pants right now before we're going to go to church. Please get it together. And she just looks at me, ah, right? Where is Dave? I don't know where Dave is. I'm here, though. Okay, so we... <laughs> I just got way off track with that. <laughs> so we bring our best to impress God, okay? And we try to say everything's fine when it's not. And our culture says, tell people it's okay, even though it's not. And when I started walking down this path of trying to resolve conflicts in my life, I realized that it's okay to say, it's not going so good. It's actually not that great. And it's okay to ask for help. Let me take us back to Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verse 17, verse 16. If you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you. Go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Proverbs 11:14 says, Without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. Proverbs 15:22 says, Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Did you go to them? Did you have a conversation? Are you on your knees in humility, but the relationship's not getting better? Embrace transparency. It's okay to say, I don't have a good relationship with my mom right now. It's okay to say I don't have a good relationship with my dad right now. I remember when I was 19. It was the summer after I had heard this message on conflict resolution. And I was away from the house. I think I, I had left and gone to this apprenticeship program. And I was there talking to a friend. And I had been in the program for like nine months. And I said, you know, everybody's getting homesick. Everybody's really getting homesick. 
And, you know, the weird thing is that I've not been sick. I've not been missing my family once since I've been gone. And he looked at me and he said something that I've never forgotten. He said, sounds like you don't have very good relationships with your family. And it, like, rocked my world. Like, one of those kinds of statements that just, like, completely pivots your point of view 180 degrees, right? And I started thinking about that and said, you know, I really don't have a good relationship with my family. And the thing was, I always said I did. I would always just pretend at parties and stuff when we would open our house and all my friends would come over for a bonfire and stuff that I loved my siblings and I loved my parents and I had the best relationship with my dad and they made me and my mom could talk about anything and me and my sisters were just like so close. It was a lie. I didn't. And when I went away for nine months, it revealed that to me because I didn't miss them. I was relieved to be away. And from that day, that change in mindset... I started applying this stuff of going and talking to them. I invited people into the relationship and saying, hey, can you help me fix some of this junk I have in my heart? Can you help me walk through this? Hey, Noah, that's my brother. Hey, can we talk about this stuff? Because this kind of gets on my nerves when we do this. Mom, this thing that I did to you a long time ago and made you and Dad up in the middle of the night and stuff, I'm sorry. Dad, I never respected you like I should have. I'm sorry. You know what? Today, because of that intentionality, because of inviting people into those relationships, those relationships are the best they've ever been. And I do miss my family. And I love my family. And I try to get them to move up here all the time. I'm the, like, I haven't gone to the point where I'm putting applications in for them at places. But like, every, I'm like, hey, you know, look at this open, this is house. You're in the open house, you know, you want to walk through, right? Like, I love my family. But I couldn't do it on my own. At that point, in those relationships, I wasn't at a place where I could do it by myself. And so I had mentors speaking into my life. I had small groups I would go to with my siblings. I had hard conversations with my parents, and those relationships healed. And over time, they became grace to them, and I got grace from them. And now I'm closer to my siblings and my parents than I ever have been. Embrace transparency. Is there some messed up relationships in your life? That's okay. God isn't wanting you to bring 175 pounds of silver. He's not wanting you to bring 150 pounds of gold. He doesn't need you to bring a recommendation letter from the king of wherever that place was, right? He just wants you to come. He just wants you to come forward. It's okay if your lives and your relationships aren't great. Because I know somebody who calls himself a great physician, and he's in the business of healing. He's in the business of restoring. He's in the business of saving things that are broken. And he wants to heal the brokenness in your relationships. He wants to heal the brokenness in your lives. This goes all the way back to the beginning, right? It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Because God actually set a system of complete transparency. Adam was created without clothes. And Eve had no clothes. And they knew God. And they would walk with God in the cool of the evening, right? And they were naked, and it was okay. But then Adam invited sin into that relationship. Eve invited sin into that relationship. What happened? They looked down, and they were ashamed. 
and they went and made leaves and they hid themselves and they hid themselves from God. And when God walked through the garden, he said, Adam, where are you? He said, I was ashamed and I hid myself. That's us. Sometimes we hide ourselves from God because we're ashamed. It's like we're hiding from the creator of the universe. You don't think he knows where we are? He knows you. He knows how you treat your wife. He knows how you treat your kids. He knows the private thoughts you have towards your mom and your dad and your friends and your co-workers. He knows. So don't hide from him. Go back to that original system and invite him in. Invite him in. Sometimes that's the next step, is inviting God into that relationship. Because we've been trying to hide too long from it. Don't be ashamed. It's a trick that Satan tries to pull on you. He tries to say, you should have the perfect life, but you don't, so pretend like you do. Right? Fake it till you make it. Love those old statements that aren't good for us, not healthy for us. Don't fake it. Be real. God, I'm here today and I have some conversations I need to have. God, I'm here today and I've been pushing my own pride instead of pushing humility. God, I'm here today and I have some messed up relationships. I need help. Please come in. Please help. Open the door. Embrace transparency, guys. Naaman didn't get healed until he took his clothes off, laid aside his sword, laid aside his officer warrior garb, exposed the dead underneath, and obeyed God and went to the water. Seven times. Seven times till he was healed. Seven times. God wants to heal your relationships. I really, really, truly believe that we're better together when we resolve our conflict. Some of us are walking around with a lot of hurt. We're pretty bruised on the inside. And God wants you to let go and have freedom and go. Let go. Let go of what you're holding on to. Let go of pride. Let go of trying to do our own. Let go of it and let God do something amazing in your life. Let Him do something beautiful in your life. Let Him start speaking grace into your relationships. And so this is where we're going to end today. God does a lot with a little. Right? Takes a couple fish and a couple loaves of bread and He feeds thousands of people. He takes a couple grains of faith like mustard seeds and moves impossible tasks. Right? So right now, I'd like everybody to close their eyes and just ask this question to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what's the little thing you want me to do right now? What's the little thing you want me to do right now? Maybe you have conflict with somebody sitting right next to you. Maybe you're, maybe bring them to the side and have that conversation here in this safe place. Maybe you've been pushing pride. Maybe you need to come to the altar today and say, God, switch my pride out for humility. Maybe it's somebody that came to mind on that conflict that's not here. Pull your phone out. I give you full permission to pull your phone out and text them, email them, Facebook them. If anybody's going to look around judgy, I'll just come up and whop them. Okay? Give yourself liberty to move tonight. Let the Holy Spirit move you. What is that one thing? What's the little bit you can bring to God right now that He wants to change your lives? 
We hope this message connected with you. To get more information about Church on the Rock, check out our website at www.cotrag.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Have a blessed day.